turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. I'll begin reading in verse 18 and read down through the remainder of the chapter, Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, neither were thankful, but became futile or vain in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their heir, which is due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate or debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord, we ask for your Spirit to give insight and make application to the truth that you would have us to see today. Lord, I pray that um, as believers, we would walk in a manner that is 
drawing us closer to you as a result of the truth that we hear. And then, Lord, I pray for individuals that maybe have not submitted and committed their life to you, that today your Spirit would draw to that end. Lord, we're thankful that you are truth, and we're thankful that you've given your Spirit to guide us into truth. So help us to see personally the lies that we are individually prone to believe, and then help us to walk in truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We entitled this, How Did We Get Here? And we could be thinking about the um, the condition of our nation today, and basically Romans chapter 1, which we just read, tells us how we got here. But we want to look today at this aspect of how easy it is for us not thinking of the condition of the world and that things out there, something's wrong with them. But the point is today, what do we as believers truly worship? About a month ago, we, we read the quote by Gary Thomas in which he said, We were made to worship. And he said, if we don't grow in our worship of God, we will descend to worship someone or something else. It may be power, it may be money, our reputation, a sports team, it could be anything, he said. Now, we see that evident everywhere we look. Our world as human beings we we have this longing to worship something. And in most cases, it's something other than God. This last week, um, I'd never heard much of him until this last week, but it's clearly evident that there are a number of people, I was going to say in our nation, but it must be around the world, that worship Prince, their response in in his death and their response in how they they reacted to it, it's pretty evident. Now we could mention many things. It it could be sports teams or sports heroes or or um, it could be uh, show cattle. It could be tractors or cars or antique clocks or. It could be ourselves, all right? But all of us worship something. And we will always worship something. And sad to say, we are so prone to worship what is wrong. The first three commands we've been reminded of recently deal with our worship. The first three of the ten commands deal with our worship. And God knows if our worship isn't right, the rest of the commands won't, won't fall into place. If we do not worship God, um, we will have major problems throughout the rest of our life and our world. Man's greatest problem 
is a worship disorder. We worship the wrong thing. And when we replace Christ with something else, it creates disorder, personally and corporately. Apart from God's grace, we will choose to worship something in creation over the Creator. Notice he's giving a rundown here in Romans chapter 1. And um, verse 22 comes to my mind often in the days that we live. Because I just see such... Such idiotic nonsense that there is no explanation other than saying, professing ourselves to become wise, we become fools. But you notice he he goes on in verse 23, and they change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their body among themselves. And notice verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And as a result, they worshiped and served the creature more than the creator or rather than the Creator. So, the very one that that made all of this earth and all of the universe, we will choose to take something that He created and worship it rather than the one that created it. I mean, anything that is created is not as great as the one that created it. But we're choosing something created. Why? Because of the rebellious nature of our heart. We do not want to come under the authority of God. And no matter what we worship apart from God, it will leave us empty, it will leave us hopeless, disenchanted, cynical, and lost. Now, the point is not today, you may be sitting here, I've trusted Christ as my Savior, I worship Him. We want to look today at the typical pattern of false worship. And when we think of false worship, it's not somebody bowing down to a statue that of course, is false worship. But it's when I elevate anything in my life above God. It may be my own comfort. It may be um, my savings account. It, it could be anything. And I'm not going to go on and list those. Physical, more important than the spiritual. When we see the physical, more important than the spiritual. 
Ephesians chapter 6, writing to the believers at Ephesus, it says, we're not in a wrestling match against flesh and blood. If we were, we all ought to go to the University of Iowa and get in their wrestling room and learn how to wrestle, okay? But the battle is not flesh and blood. But we are wrestling against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And it is because we live in this world, and a very physical world, it is easy for us to get where we are seeing the physical as more important than the spiritual. Now, I understand. We have to deal with physical things. You you need to, to go work. You need to eat. You need to fix a leaky roof. You need to take care of the physical things. But where is the spiritual in your life? Is it a little compartment of your life that if you read your Bible every day, there it is. And I go to church, when I go to church, there it is. And periodically I think about God. C.S. Lewis said, you are not a body that has a soul. You are a soul that has a body. The emphasis in our life is often about our body. Your body and my body is merely a carrying case for the real you. You are not a body. We live in a, we live in a world that emphasizes our, our body. And, and I'm not minimizing. We ought to take care of our bodies. But this life is not about this body. This body is very physical. But the real me is a soul that is going to live forever. And we start down the wrong road of worship when we emphasize the physical more than the spiritual. We, we sang the song this morning, Make Me a Stranger. Lord, I found myself loving earthly treasures, simple pleasures, Taking your place. Now, it's not that God does not want us to enjoy life. He has given many, many pleasures. But it's easy for the things of this life to take His place. Lord, I found myself loving earthly treasures. Simple pleasures taking your place. Nothing can measure to heavenly treasures, hearing well done and seeing your face. G.K. Chesterton, a a man that lived a life um, full of, someone said, full of the gusto of the resurrection. He stood in marvel of truth. And a thankful insight, they said, about him, that the king was among us and that he was coming, said this. You say grace before meals. 
Good for you. I say grace before the play and the opera and grace before the concert and grace before I open a book and grace before sketching and painting and swimming and fencing and boxing and walking and playing and grace before I dip my pen in ink because I see God in everything. How much do we see God? How much do we emphasize as a believer to a believer all things are spiritual? And, and if what I'm doing cannot be uh, spiritual, cannot be as to the Lord, that's a good sign I shouldn't be doing it. But the step to false worship is seeing the physical as more important than the spiritual. And second step is right akin to this, is seeing the temporal more valuable than the eternal. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul was giving a rundown of, of the things that he'd suffered and, and um, he'd been pressed down but not defeated. And, and he said, I've endured all these things and I'm able to keep going and in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, well, verse 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Notice verse 18, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul said, I was able to endure the persecution. I was able to endure the flogging. I was able to endure these things. Why? Because I understand there are temporal things and there are eternal things. And we do not look at the things which are seen, the things of this life, all these objects that we have be they bitter or sweet, be they um, crosses or comforts, the temporal things are temporary things. And we don't have the same mindset as a believer toward them that the world does because that's their chief end. That's their principal aim. No, we have something that goes far beyond that. I'm sure you've all heard uh, many, many years ago, I think back in the 60s, um, a university ran a test with four-year-olds. And they said, we will give you a marshmallow now. And if you save this marshmallow that is given to you now, 15 minutes later, we'll give you two more marshmallows. So if they waited 15 minutes, they could have three marshmallows. And every kid loves marshmallows, okay, or just about. They found that there were a large number of them that couldn't wait 15 minutes. To a four-year-old, 15 minutes is like an eternity, okay? But they also found <clears throat> that those that were able to wait 15 minutes, 
in their study, um, I believe it was 20 years later, they followed up on them and they found those that were able to wait 15 minutes to receive a delayed gratification reward ended up being across the board much more successful and disciplined and so on. Now, parents, don't go home and test your kids today with this. You might be depressed the rest of your life when they whoop it down the first 30 seconds, okay? But as believers, God puts in front of us, you can have pleasures for a season, temporal, or you can have for eternity. And we slide into false worship because we think, this will make me happy now. This will satisfy me. And we replace Christ with a temporal pleasure. Quoting C.S. Lewis again, he said, I believe in Christ like I believe in the Son. Not because I see it, but because by it I can see everything else. Do you understand what he's saying? I, don't, I believe in Christ like I believe in the Son. Not because I see the Son, but because by the Son I can see everything else. By Jesus Christ, He makes everything else clear to me. He makes me see. This is temporal. Oh, they disrespected me. That's temporal. But this is eternal. And understanding, what am I willing to trade? Am I willing to give up an eternal treasure for something temporary? We begin and continue our descent into false worship when we see the temporal more valuable than the eternal. When we live for today. Another aspect that pushes us or leads us or we choose in a pattern of false worship is when we're believing a relationship with a person is more satisfying than a relationship with God. Adam valued his relationship with Eve more than he valued his relationship with God. Eve, First Timothy tells us, was deceived. Adam was not deceived. The woman being deceived was in the transgression. And Adam was at this point. Do I value my relationship with my wife or my relationship with God? And you say, wow, does God ever call us to that? If we value our relationship with God, it will make us a better husband to our relationship with our wife. And Adam chose to jump in with Eve and the whole 
creation bears the consequences of it today. The same thing happens over and over again today. We think this relationship is more important to us than God. We, we, we don't come to terms with that, but by our actions, that's what we do. Call it peer pressure, call it whatever you want, call it trying to influence others. No, it only matters what God says. You may have to do something that someone doesn't like, but God likes. Then you better do what God likes. And when we value a relationship with another human being and say that it will be more satisfying than a relationship with God, we are already into false worship. Edmund Burke says, whatever disunites man from God also disunites man from man. You cannot be right with man when you are not right with God. And that's where false worship, we value a horizontal relationship more than we value the vertical relationship with God. And this is wrought out over and over and over again in the Bible. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That is first and foremost. We have several weddings coming up this spring. And what a blessing that is. But... If you are looking for your spouse to make you happy, you're barking up the wrong tree. And all the married people said, (laughs) that was kind of a self-incriminating amen, wasn't it, huh? (laughs) God never designed for another human being to fulfill Your joy and happiness. Only God can do that. Now, when we go to God, He can give us an abundance of joy in our marriage as we follow His plan. But that's why only God is worthy of worship. Because we were made to fellowship with Him. We were made to worship Him And when we worship anything else, God turns us over to our own ways. Julie Slattery said, Does Satan want us to get immoral and involved in immoral sexual things? Yeah, he does. But that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to separate us from Jesus And keep us from worshiping Him in a holy way. To keep us from being set apart to Him. And the sex is just the way He's doing it. But you got to look beyond that and say Satan has a very aggressive agenda. That agenda is to separate us from Jesus. You know what? You know what we've done? And it's true, God, is this just me or is this thing not working? 
Okay, it went off. I'll try to stay here, okay? Um, God designed physical relationships to take place in marriage. And we preach that, and that's true. But if there is not a relationship with Jesus Christ, even in marriage, it is never fulfilling because we were made not for just physical relationships in marriage, we were made for Jesus Christ. And Satan's ultimate goal is to get us to worship anything but Jesus Christ. And it may be, it may be in immorality, it may be in work, it may be in, in comfort, it could be in any myriad of things. There's no, no limit to the, to the various things that our hearts are prone to go after. Peter Marshall said, we are too Christian to really enjoy sinning and too fond of sinning to really enjoy Christianity. Boy, that's a dilemma, isn't it? Most of us know perfectly well what we ought to do, he said. Our trouble is we don't want to do it. And there's the dilemma we're in. And it's because... We allow, fourthly, our desires to rule over or overrule what God says. That, that statement he made, we're too Christian to, to enjoy sinning. You know the most miserable people on the face of the earth are Christians out of fellowship with God. Because if they're truly a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells within them, and they can't really enjoy sinning like they used to, but they're too fond of sinning to really enjoy fellowship with Christ because they've, they've put other things up in their life that they're worshiping, and they wouldn't say they're worshiping. We don't say, well, today I'm going to go choose to worship myself. I'm just going to indulge myself. We don't say that. We don't choose to worship something else. But as he said, we know what we ought to do, but our trouble is we just don't want to do it. What cravings, what beliefs tend to rule your heart? We do not fear God because we do not know Him. And as a result of that, we live for the physical and the temporal because this is what I see, this is what I know. We don't really know God. That's why Jeremiah said, don't let the strong man rejoice in his strength and don't let the wise man rejoice in his wisdom And don't let the rich man rejoice in his riches. Why? Because the strength will fail, the mind will fail, the money will fail. But he said, let him rejoice that knows God and fears Him. That's who can rejoice. Why? Because that is something 
that is eternal. That is something that will last. Everything you see here is not going to last. You know, I <laughs> we're, we're forever, and there's billion-dollar industries of keeping us healthy, making us young. You know, I haven't heard even all this... All this wonderful stuff that we can take. And incidentally, I have been taking, eating kale pretty joyfully lately, okay? I have yet to hear of anybody recently living to be 150 years old. Now, you can see all these internet ads. Put this cream on, it'll take your wrinkles away, it'll turn your gray hair black again, and... Honestly, I like my gray hair, okay? Yeah. But the reality is, everything is going to be gone. But what have you done with Jesus Christ? Look at your life. What is it you're worshiping? What, what gets you upset? In the daily things of life, in the, the daily aspects of life, what do you find your mind pursuing? See, it all begins and ends with our heart and what we worship. And Jesus said, in the midst of a reprobate nation, the people exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature or the created more than the creator. This is not just the creator. This is the one who is the substitute who took our sin. And died on the cross in our place. And also is the conqueror. Conquered death and hell. And is the soon returning king. He created us. He provided the redemption for us. He's coming again. And he says, am I still not worthy of your worship? Am I not worthy of number one in your life? Why do, you, why do you chase after these things? Why do you worship these things? C.S. Lewis again said, and I've used this many times, I've heard it many times, but every time I'm challenged by it. We are half-hearted creatures. Well, he said earlier, it's not that God finds our desires too strong, but too weak. He said, we are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased, but I will add, but never fulfilled, 
by the things of earthly, temporal pleasures. Only God is worthy of our worship. And in heaven we will gather around and we will say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive honor and glory and praise and dominion and power. What are we saying? You are worthy. You are worthy. But He's given us that opportunity right now, every day, every moment. We make choices. And the choice is to say, you are worthy, Lord. That is why I'm going to think this thought. I'm not going to think this thought of anger because they violated me and and they got my God and I'm going to get them back. I'm not going to think this immoral thought because that will never give pleasure like you give pleasure. And you are worthy. See, You may not be able to do a lot about changing everything outside of us. But we can make ourselves, by God's grace, a worshiper of God. Don't let us fall into the same rut of exchanging the truth of God for a lie and worshiping and serving anything else but God alone. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would purify our worship. I pray that you would cause us to see from a clear perspective what our heart pursues, what we truly do worship. And Lord, I pray That we truly would, moment by moment, in every aspect of our life, that we would choose to worship nothing except you. And Lord, I know as we do that, it will, it will give us greater delight. It will bring fulfillment through our relationships in this life. And it will give meaning and purpose to every detail, every pain and every joy that this life may send our way. So Lord, I pray that as a result of our time here today, that we would worship you more clearly, more purely, and more fervently. Our heads are bowed and eyes.